Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, the podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad and I have back with me Dr. Josh Packard from the Springtide Research Institute. And they have a new survey out on the state of religion and young people. Dr. Packard, welcome back to Catholic Bites. Uh, thanks for having me back. I'm so glad to be here. Of course. We're, we're, this is such a fascinating study and we, we talked a lot about it uh, last episode. And I think uh, this episode, we're going to talk in general about how Gen Z, how how, how young people age, is it 15 to 24 is I think your, your age range? Uh, thir- 13 to 25. 13 to 25. Well, I was off by a couple of years each way. Um, <laughs> totally fine. Uh, uh, how they view re- uh, the role of religion in general in their lives. So maybe you can give us some of your, your data and findings on, on that front. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me back. Thanks for the opportunity um, to talk about this. I'll, I'll just say that this all this comes from this annual report that we do, the State of Religion and Young People. It's available for free on Kindle and uh, iBooks are on our website. And uh, I think it's just like $10 in print to cover the cost of printing and distribution. But you can find it. You can find the Catholic edition on our website, as well as all of our other studies at springtideresearch.org. Um, and the, yeah, this question about like, you know, we, we see all these traditional markers about affiliation or attendance or belief among young people. And it, I think it naturally begs the question as those numbers go down, do young people still think religion is important? Mm. Um, does it, does it matter to them? Uh, and what's interesting is that it's, it does continue to be, you're really vital, um, in their life, but not always in ways that even they are aware of. Right. So mm. what we saw during you know, even though like the majority of young people would say that, you know, religion may not be their primary, you know, utmost value. The, uh, during the pandemic, the people who are more religious ended up faring better off with regard to their mental health. Um, this year in 2022, we're launching a series about mental health, uh, in schools and religious spaces, homes and workplaces. But one of the components that runs throughout all of that is a real, a real importance on helping young people discover, their purpose in life as something connected to, to something bigger than themselves. If, if you want their mental health to flourish, you have to pay attention to how they're cultivating purpose. I mean, that's essentially religion, right? Yeah. <laughs> so even though young people have sort of lost, I think that um, in many ways, that vocabulary of talking about it in that way, they wouldn't name it as such um, because, you know, parents are not necessarily raising them in the church, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they still are at their root, like human beings, like the rest of us, they have the same questions as we do, even if they don't explicitly note them as, as religious questions, religion still is, is a really important part of their lives. But I think what's been most fascinating for us to see at Springtide is the way that that doesn't, it's not uniform across all groups. So our first study belonging, we were able to show pretty conclusively that attendance at a religious service um, or gathering doesn't necessarily equal belonging. Mm-hmm. Attendance alone is not a, an indicator that somebody feels like they belong there. It's a, by the spoiler alert, it's a relationship with a trusted adult at that place that makes them feel that way. Except for young uh, Latinx, Latina uh, Catholics, especially, who like being a part of that religious community in attendance actually does strengthen their sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And we see that for other subgroups as well, where you know your dominant identity might not be your religious identification, but it might be some other aspect, you know, race, race or ethnicity, mm-hmm. um, for example, in this case, where finding yourself in a community of people who look like you come from the same background as you do and are doing belief together, that actually has a a really strong impact. So we shouldn't necessarily, I think the lesson there is that we shouldn't necessarily be writing one size fits all approaches for how to engage this Mm -hmm. generation. It's the most diverse generation that's ever existed in the history Mm -hmm. of the world. And it requires diverse approaches. 
That's interesting. And I, I, on, on that mental health note, I, I'm a college chaplain. Uh, and mm. so I, I get a, a firsthand look at that in some of my students. And you do see across the spectrum uh, decreasing uh, mental health, health outcomes um, on campus. But I have noticed the resilience of students who do feel like they were known, who do feel like they, were, um, they belonged, that they had a group that they could turn to for help. And we discovered that throughout the pandemic, our Bible study numbers went up because people wanted that mm. relational, communal um, aspect of the faith. And that when that happened, oftentimes they would report to us that, and now this is just anecdotal, but uh, they would report to us that they felt like, oh, I'm, I'm actually doing something. For, like I'm actually yeah. able to breathe for the first time um, because of that community in which they were known and they were loved. And, yeah. and that, that that made such a tremendous difference outside the religious spectrum in their mental health outcomes in general. That's exactly right. And it's a place where, you know, on the one hand, you know, religious communities explicitly like institutionally religious spaces, think mm -hmm. congregations here, um, they do a really good job at helping you discover purpose historically, connecting you to something bigger than yourself, but not traditionally a very good job of dealing with mental health issues. And on the other side of that spectrum, you've got secular institutions who, um, sometimes I think do a much better job at responding to mental health issues among the, the people and especially the young people they serve. I'm thinking here of like state colleges, like I used to work at, but they mm -hmm. do a really terrible job at helping young people discover their sense of purpose. Like yeah. we need this sort of like melding because we've seen it in lots of studies before ours, like well-documented that uh, that sense of purpose is vital for flourishing mm -hmm. mental health. And what's, what I think is particularly sad here as, as adults and families, you know, move away from regular church attendance um, and are not coming back. I mean, the fault here is not yeah. theirs and we should, I don't want to point the finger at parents. It's not, that's not the place to have this conversation, Yeah. but it's a reality. And when we ask young people, then, you know, do you, would you even know how to get connected to a faith community? If you wanted to, like half of them told us, I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know where to start. And I think that's a, you know, so even if they have the, they, they, they may be sensing, I think what you saw, which is like, they may be sensing this desire for something deeper, but not even know where to begin. Yeah. Which, which is so amazing. You, you think, uh, you know, you see the Catholic church on the corners, that stuff like that, but it's just not the way this generation goes about making these connections that right. they don't walking they, through the door is not going to be the start. Exactly. And in fact, most of the time they need the invitation to come from, from the, the institution, as opposed to, um, perhaps, you know, oh, ha them having the initiative to go out and find uh, that institution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the way I've been trying to explain it, it's like, you've got a whole bunch of really well-trained and well-meaning adults who can, who can do good things for young people and genuinely care. And they're over on one side in the building saying like, we'll do anything for you. You just have to walk into our door. And the young people are over here saying like, I really need all of your help. And I, I'm very interested in what you have to say. I'm just not going to walk through that door. And I, it's not the job of the 17 year old to close that gap. No. You know what I mean? Like we've got to get a little bit uncomfortable and go and find them where they're at. Yeah. Which, which a lot of this report has, has kind of stirred in me as I've been reading it, like, Oh, we need to do a much better job of going out and encountering people and meeting them where they are, as opposed to expecting them to, 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 well, you know, when they, when they have kids or when they want to get married, then they're going to come <laughs> yeah. find a church. You know, that <laughs> seems to be the standard response that most people give. But the reality, as you said, seems to be that they're just, they're not coming back, you know, and unless someone reaches them, they're not coming back. 
That's right. Yeah. I mean, those, uh, we should, if anybody is still out there thinking that, you know, that there's somehow a, a demographic wave coming of marriage and children, that's going to, that's going to return attendance numbers to where they once were. That's just not true. Have you found any, um, any distinction between Catholic and other denominations in reaching out to, to young people? And are there any people who are doing it particularly well um, or, or, or particularly poorly? Well, a lot of the most outstanding examples here, not surprisingly, come on college campuses where, you know, sort of outreach is done by you, you have to. I mean, yeah. you, there's just in, in especially at state schools, there's not a chapel on campus. Um, and so you you have to or not mandatory attendance for sure. So you, you sort of have to go outside of your doors. But the tradition that I think is maybe potentially doing the best job here is um, is Judaism. It's, it's a, you know, it's a tradition that is used to being disrupted and um, that not for good reasons. Um, you know, it's one that has not always been centered around synagogue. The home is the, the more important place um, for many Jews. And so the idea of doing important religious activity outside of the building on the corner is not new to them. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, it's not, it's not new for Christians either. It's just that we've sort of forgotten that part of, yeah. I, I grew up Lutheran, so I can say we here, um, we've sort of forgotten that part of our collective heritage mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that, that that is, uh, and we think sometimes that it all has to happen here in the congregation, but it doesn't. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I, that was not the answer I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, maybe perhaps evangelical Christian groups or things like that. That's, but, but it makes total sense. That's, that's really interesting. And I do think it's, it, it does speak to, you know, as, as bad as oftentimes you can read these surveys and you can see in it a depressing attitude, you know, like, you, like, oh man, sure. they don't even know where to look. But I think if you read it in, in a way, and, and I think this is one of the, probably the reason why you can correct me, this is probably one of the reasons why you do it is you can read it as opportunity. Um, and oh, yeah. See, this, this is where the opportunity is. This is how you can reach people. This is the, the, the crack through the door that you need to open the door all the way. Um, there seems to be a lot of, of great opportunities that you lay out in this survey. Yeah, I, well, I'm glad you I'm glad you sense that we do too. It's uh, Springtide's position is that a young person, in order for a young person to flourish, their religious life, their spiritual life has to be well considered and attended to. And sometimes that looks like showing up to a Sunday morning mass. Um, sometimes it looks like showing up to a Friday uh, evening worship, um, a Shabbat dinner or something like that. The But it, it can't just be nothing. You know, mm -hmm. it, it can't be something that you don't ever think about in order for you to truly flourish. And we see lots of hope in this data and lots of opportunity, as you mentioned, for people to you know, it might look a little different, but, but they're still hungry for those things. There's, do they still want to examine these questions? And especially during the pandemic, they really need people who can help them make sense out of what can feel like an out of control world. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a perfect place to, to conclude. Dr. Packer, thank you so much for joining us. Again, you can find his, um, uh, this really awesome study about religious practices for young people at springtideresearch.org, you said? Um, that's right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, this has been an episode of Catholic Bites Podcast. You can find us at catholicbitespodcast.com, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, thank you for listening, and God bless you. <laughs>